Hello and welcome to this week's Taking Care of Business. This week I'm joined by Jessica Stevenson. Hello. Wow, full name. Yeah. What's that doing? full named on these days? You're not in trouble. Um, this week we're going to be talking about data in the market. We do our data podcast once a month. The slight difference today is we're going to be looking at data for the first half of the year as opposed to a month-on-month basis. So, <laughs> I'm laughing the first question. Well, the first point on here is it's um, worded as who's the head of sales progression? But I think it's supposed to, I'm supposed to introduce you as Jessica, who is the head of sales progression. So, Quite, yeah, in the flesh. Yeah, here you are. Um, which leads me on to, we're going to put a twist on the data this month and talk about how sales progression has an influence in terms of the data or what influence the data has on sales progression. It depends which way, um, which way we look at it. So if we dive straight into it, the first half of this year, and this is land department uh, data, so for the whole of uh, the property market in Dubai, we saw in terms of value of transactions in the market, 178 billion dirhams worth of property value transacted which is an 18% increase compared to the second half of 2022 and year on year, 55.4% increase. To give you some volume uh, information, that's a 12.4% increase uh, versus the second half of last year and a 42.3% increase year on year. So what does that mean to you? <laughs> wow, well, some very busy sales progression, yeah. <laughs> progression team. Um, I suppose what it, I mean, ultimately means the market is incredibly busy um which infiltrates down to our guys in sales progression because i mean when you're putting sort of figures together um and we're looking at like sales data until it actually comes down to somebody to progress the sale and transfer the sale um it's kind of just numbers that have been agreed you know numbers on a board or sales that are agreed um i believe you called yourselves cash converters earlier on (laughs) yeah Let's try not to um, coin that phrase. Um, but it is though, isn't it? I always say like it is kind of numbers on the board until it comes down to us. And then to actually make that into a transaction that happens. So whether that be a property that was sold or um, commission generated, it actually has to be at some point converted from So for uh, anyone that doesn't know, can you briefly 30 second synopsis on what sales progression is, what you guys do? For cash converters, yeah. <laughs> basically. No, uh, I think that's a very different trade. Um, so once the deal is signed, so the buyer and seller have actually agreed to purchase the property and you've done all the exciting stuff. So you've been and done your viewings and you've decided what property it is. You've gone through the negotiations. That's all done and your contracts are signed. So at the point where you've got unified form F done, um, that's when it will come over to to my department. Um, and it's for us to then take it from that stage to actually changing the ownership on the title deed ultimately at the land department on the day of transfer. So it's managing that process. A bit of it, I feel, is quite a bit of project management and navigating the process and hopefully making it um, an enjoyable experience. If a financial and emotional <laughs> transaction can ever be enjoyable, then we'll try and do that. Good. And so with the volumes we've seen this year, I presume that must have brought your, well, I know, but for everyone else, yeah. what challenges has it brought to your to your team? Well, because as you, as you see, I mean, we're looking at, what was it, 55% up year on year. It's an absolutely enormous jump. It's not a few percent. So, and that's happened so quickly. Um, I suppose it's trying to um, get ahead with um, the infrastructure in how you run a department, like what the department actually needs. 
Um, and I know we're always expanding, expanding, but at the moment it has meant a complete overhaul and a restructuring of, of the department to make sure that we can actually handle this um, and get everything done to make sure the clients have a better experience really when we're getting through this because they are astounding numbers to be able to cope with. Yeah, and which is a crazy point to make that the market yeah. has risen so much and so quickly that we've had to completely restructure your department no, it's absolutely to, to deal with it. Yeah, and, and as a business to, to do it, I mean, and to put the investment in there because yeah, it's, it's great that we have a, a marketing team and everything else that we do, but the back end of it also needs to work. So um, I suppose as a business, like investing in that side of it is is so important to make sure that they can still turn over. Um, because yeah, it's, it is all agreed until it's done and then we actually finalise the transaction. In. So in terms of external factors, one I'm going to highlight, and there may be more that you add on uh, additionally, but again, it's useful information for people to know. We've seen during the first half of the year quite, um, it's still not huge numbers, but a rise in the amount of devaluations of properties. Mm. You just explain to everyone what that is and what it can mean in a transaction and what possible solutions there are. Yeah, so when you've agreed the, the price with the between the buyer and the seller, if you're buying with a mortgage, the bank will still want to value the property. So the bank will send an independent valuer, the buyer will pay for it, but the bank will send the, the valuer over. And it's really just um, an exercise in the bank, um, making sure that they're lending the right amount on the property. So they don't want to lend too much if the property's not worth it, in their opinion. Um, so that it's it's really like a, a bank kind of um, covering exercise. So um, the valuer will go round, and because the market, I mean, this is what I think has happened, because the market has jumped so quickly, the data isn't there yet to, to actually show that this is what the market is at now. So because the properties are being sold for a higher higher amount, but there isn't necessarily transacted data to support it, um, then the um, yeah you, you might have a, a down valuation. Um, we're not talking about huge numbers when we say down valuation. Um, I wouldn't say anything really more than 10% of what's agreed. Um, but um, and I'm we're not talking about a massive number of cases either. But what it could mean to a buyer is that you might have to actually pay more in terms of your down payment um, towards the property. So if you were taking a mortgage at um, 80% loan to value, your 20% may increase. Um, it'll still be 20%, but the, the price that that actually is might be more if the bank down value the property. Might yeah. have to just contribute a bit more to it. So to add a bit further, because well, um, we've said it a few times on the podcast in the past, what we find is... The market is typically three to five months ahead of data that comes out of the land department. Mm. These independent valuers that go out, they have to they have to base their evidence on information from the land department. But through no fault of anyone's, that information is three to five months old. So maybe if we sold something four months ago for 2.9, the way the market is now, we might sell it for 3 million. But the person that goes out only has evidence of a property value up to 2.9. And they, exactly. they can't justify like a... They can't justify on paper a higher price than that. So like I say, it's interesting to highlight because probably most people don't know that that happens in the market or yeah. that's a thing or that that happens in a in a, um, a rising market, which is, is what we're in. As you say, it doesn't happen in a lot of cases, but um, it's just one to be, one to be yeah, aware definitely. of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, good. To keep good. an eye out for. Let's dive into some more data and see if that carries up carries on or marries up with um with what you guys are seeing from what Allsop and Allsop do. So off plan versus secondary for the first half of the year. 
There was 30,650 off-plan transactions in Dubai. In the secondary market, there was 30,516 transactions, so almost neck and neck, really, in terms of the data. There we are. That's a sign of the times. Yeah. In value, though, perhaps quite interesting for you, the value of off-plan transactions was 70.7 billion. The value of secondary transactions, 107 billion. So 37 billion more, 37 dirham, 37 billion dirhams. It's that big, I can't even say it. More uh, value in the secondary more. market. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go from that. A lot more. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, it, definitely. It, it speaks to... The, the type of properties that are selling, which are yeah. at, at the higher end of the market. And I think as well, like you see a lot of the headlines, don't you, on the off-plan market, like the big sort of headlines that go kind of viral on Instagram and stuff are off-plan generally, properties that are being sold off-plan for those huge, huge numbers. Um, but people also like to, like to see bricks and mortar yeah. and they like to, you know, have see a house that's, that's ready. So, yeah, interesting. I, yeah, and I think just more people are making a home in Dubai as well. So more people 100%. are are setting up the longer term futures here and again maybe splashing out a little bit more on a property here and instead of saving the money yeah, 30 to go home with billion dollars <laughs> splashing out a bit 30 more. billion trillion yeah <laughs> splashed out a bit there yep um, okay and then property type breakdown which is also quite interesting so for the first half of the year apartments made up 45,131 transactions villa townhouses 11,662 and then we always have another category, which thinks about more like retail, warehouses, etc. Mm. just over 4,000. So apartment living, four times the size of, of uh, villa transactions, really. And no, we're talking off camera. You're very much an apartment girl yourself. Yeah, definitely. So at least there's 40,000 other people that get yeah. it. <laughs> um, I mean, the obvious one is, of course, they're smaller, so you can build more of them. But um, but yeah, I think Dubai, um, a lot more people are looking, I think, at apartments. Um, from this from this data anyway, um, but I'm definitely an apartment person. I love the apartment life. Good. Then something you will know quite a bit about for us mortgages, because obviously part of the sales progression process, you will deal with the the banks, yeah, um, and mortgage brokers. We've got our own in house mortgage team, but then external ones as well. So mortgage transactions in the first half of the year, they're thirty point four percent up on H2 uh, 2022, mm-hmm. almost the same actually, 30.3% increase um, versus year on year H1 2022. So an enormous mo- amount more people taking mortgages than, than we've yeah. ever seen before as well. Why use your own money? Use the banks. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Keep your cash. <laughs> it's no, true. It, like, it it's the view I support, yeah. Yeah, but I suppose, but as well, it is people getting into the market. I think it's positive because I think that tells you that they're more end user. That's what it, it tells it tells me rather than cash, cash investors. Um, I think that that gives me like more confidence, I would say, because I, I think if it's the type of end user that needs to get a mortgage, I think they are people that tend to want to stay in Dubai and maybe building a building a life um might that's a massive generalization but i think that no i think that's I think the, the, the trend and the pattern in terms of yeah. what is happening in the market so how does so we talk about mortgage and cash buyers how does that impact bringing it back to sales progression yeah. a, a sales progression process 
Um, Mortgage-wise, it's going to take a lot longer than if you are a cash buyer and your funds are ready. Um, saying that, though, not not always is, is if you have a cash buyer, the cash isn't always ready. Maybe they need to liquidate shares or get it out of a trust or whatever, wherever the money is tied up. It might not always be as instant as you think. But um, with finance buyers, for sure, I mean, we've got a mortgage process to go through on the front end. So that would be the buyer getting pre-approval. I think it's so, so important to get a pre-approval before you're going out looking. You don't have to, but I, I just, that's where you're going to get a guideline of how much you can actually afford and how much um, you can you can negotiate to. So I think as well with, um, with interest rates, I think people's affordability is lower than maybe it was like last year or 18 months ago. So you might think that you can afford to maybe look up to four million, but I don't know, I'm just plucking this out of the air. Maybe it's you're actually closer to three. Um, so I think it's really important to get an idea before you start looking. But I mean, it's not something that's essential, but I think it's, it's an important factor. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you'll go through your bank valuation um, and move forward to final offer letter. I think um, getting through the mortgage process, even if you're the most enthusiastic buyer, um, because people do have like full-time jobs and everything else is so demanding, it is almost like another job applying for a mortgage. Yeah, getting all your bank statements and like, it sounds really, it sounds such minimal work, but you've really got to sit down and like download everything, get the authenticated stuff. Maybe you need to like close a credit card. Like it is quite, can be quite arduous. Sometimes so. you need to go into the bank. There's reams exactly. of paperwork to fill yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> So I think, um, yeah, even as a, even if you are like really wanting to get something done quickly, you need to be like really committed to getting your mortgage in place. Um, so yeah, it does add, add some time on how long it's really, really subjective, but definitely will be a few weeks Hard versus to say. a cash buyer. Yeah. Okay. Looking into some Allsop and Allsop data, still on the, the sales side of things, the average sale price in the first half of the year was 3.617. Now, I remember a couple of years ago, I think the average sale price was 2.3 to 2.4. Yeah. So it really speaks for, for how the market has shifted over, over the last couple of years. Um, buyer nationalities is always one we get asked about. So our top five buyer nationalities um, for the first half of the year, 23% uh, buyers were Brits, Indians in second place, Russians in third, which is no surprise to anyone really, Turkish uh, nationality in fourth place, and French, which is always really in our top five in... Um, in well joint I was going to say fifth mm. place but joint fourth place looking forward to what we might see in the second half of the year I always look at demand that we see uh, yeah. and people registering as buyers with Allsop and Allsop so <clears throat> the first half of this year we saw an 83.9% increase in buyers registering with us compared to the second half of last year Year on year, 57.6% increase. It's absolutely massive. I mean, what, God, that must be like everybody is looking to buy in Dubai. There's so many people, I think, moving out of the rental market as well. So anybody that's been here maybe, um, I don't know, a couple of years, three, four years, they've seen the rental prices rise so much. They might have had a chance to save a deposit in that time. So yeah, it makes sense for people to be getting on the ladder. And I think that feeds back into the data with how many people are looking at, at mortgages. 100%. Just There's that. Out of that. Yeah. And then overseas investors as well, which actually leads me on to another interesting question. How can someone who wants to invest in Dubai but doesn't live and reside in Dubai, and it might, be, might not be a simple answer, <laughs> buy a, how can they buy a property in Dubai? Um, you can. There's a couple of ways of doing it. Um, you can buy a property off plan. Um, directly from a developer and you can um, send over like your instalments directly to 
the developer. Um, where it gets a little bit tricky is um, if you are overseas, you wanted to invest here and you're buying a property from an end user. So somebody that is not an end user, sorry. So um, a ready property. So something that's built and you're buying it from an individual, you'll need some way of getting a, a manager's check. Um, and that comes down to whether you have a bank account in Dubai or if you have somebody who can prepare a, a manager's check for you. Maybe you've got a relative or somebody here that could do that because the method of payment on transfer is still by manager's check for a property that is a ready property. Okay, so if you know someone here that you trust very well, they can do yeah. it. To open a bank account, what would someone have to do? Fly into Dubai? They to- would, yeah. Um, and it's a tricky one to answer because there's so much bank compliance to go through to actually successfully open a bank account. But you would have to be in person in the bank applying. Um, they say like 10 days if everything is perfect. We all know that there's always going to be a document that isn't perfect and that they're going to push back and ask for some more stuff. So it can be a difficult process to open a bank account. And does the person have to be here for 10 days or can they fly in, start they the process? They do need to be here. Yeah, wow, really? Because they want them there for account opening. It's a lot of compliance. I mean, the device changed so much in the last couple of years in terms of in terms of compliance but that's another another aspect to it um banks holding non-res accounts they don't seem to really want to do it okay so the message is if you want to invest in dubai come and have a lovely holiday have a nice holiday set your bank accounts up and yes and then what happens from there because i know we uh, there's lots of power of attorney services in the market. We have our own power of attorney service. So at what stage at what stage can someone leave a power of attorney with someone, fly off and never have to come back again? Well, the power of attorney is stuff is amazingly simple now because it's remote POA. Um, and what I was um, what I found yesterday the data on the power of attorneys that we're doing, it was like eighty seven percent of people that give a POA that that we've done over the last six months weren't even here. So they actually did it remotely. So they did the POA so, remotely. Exactly. Okay, got you. Yeah. So you don't need to come here, give the POA um, at the court. We can do that. But I mean, why waste a day when you could be on the beach? Yeah. So you might as well just, you can give it while you're while you're overseas. I honestly think that the UE is the only place you can do that. Um, remote power of attorney is absolutely amazing service from the notaries here. So maybe it might be out of place for me to say, but if the banks could maybe follow suit and allow... <laughs> remote bank account opening then somebody wouldn't have to come to Dubai to yeah that there it is there's a challenge for one of the banks to PK uh, has laid it down can can you pick that up (laughs) okay some more interesting information uh Villa Town house sale prices has shot up 3.7 percent from the second half of last year and 10.4 percent year on year so the average price now uh, with this is all and also data is 5.629 million a couple of notable transactions uh, on the palm and alberari and uh, average apartment price is two, uh, 2.041 million dirhams which is uh, up six percent on the second half of last year which is actually the average apartment sales price is now creeping up on what yeah, the average it, general it market is, yeah. price was previously. Yeah, I think it's probably more in line though with the re- getting there with the rest of the world though, isn't it? I mean, they're quite big apartments. You know, that's not we're not talking about a kind of flat that you'll get in London for for that price. Like you're talking about, you know, what, a thousand square feet? Yeah. Like really decent compared to the rest of the world. So yeah, I think it's fair that it's probably, in my opinion, I think it's been lagging. So I think it's fair that they're Yeah, I agree. And I know... Our managing director, Mark Walters, is on exactly the same wavelength as that. Okay, I'm going to take you into some more unfamiliar 
Prowse um, territory, which is lettings. Could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Anything could happen here. Please stay tuned. <laughs> so the average lettings price in the first half of the year, again, this is all SOP and all SOP data, was 192,000 dirhams, which is up 10% on the second half of last year and up 22.6% on the first half of last year. So that rental market that we keep talking about, which is probably driving buyers and, and yeah. driving everything else, is currently showing no sign of um, letting up. That is that is really high rent, isn't it? Um, there's no two ways about that. Do we have what, what kind of properties are, are averagely renting? What, in terms of apartments and yeah. villa townhouses? Good question. We will do. <laughs> um, average villa townhouse letting price, wait for this one, is 336,000 euros. It is staggering, really, isn't it? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Well, it's no surprise it's driving the... As soon as people exactly, can, it's driving yeah. the, the purchasing market. And yeah. the average apartment let is 133,000 dirhams. Mm. Which Heavy. is also a lot, to be fair, because I know like, I'm sounding like a an old-timer, but I used to rent a big two-bedroom in the marina for, I think, 65. Yeah, I know. In a nice building as well, so yeah. it's... I've, yeah, had really random different prices while I've rented over the years here. Um, but, um, yeah... That is that is high, yeah. And I think on the back of uh, there's headlines out last week, the population increased by fifty thousand in the first half of this year. Yeah. Or if I tell you some tenant registration figures, this is tenants registering with us to look for a property. We're sixty eight percent up um, in terms of tenants coming to us looking for property on the second half of last year, and we're eighty percent up on the first half of last year. Yeah, it's not surprising at all though, people moving here. I think everybody that I speak to, there's, they've got a friend of a friend or somebody that's moving over. Um, a few of my friends have even moved over yeah. and people are doing it at different stages in their lives as well now. I think um, people are, even if they've got families, they're thinking, yeah, let's do it. You know, and, and I think it's to take that leap when you're really settled into your life, Dubai's obviously got to be offering something good, so. Yeah, and I think it does, but I think social media's helped hugely with this over the last two or yeah. three years, because yeah. like when we both moved over, Dubai was more unknown. And the reason it was unknown is because there wasn't social media, there wasn't laughing TV at this shows. The day. Yeah. There was no Google Maps. I genuinely had an actual map in my car. Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. But but it's true. But the world's changed so much now that people feel they know Dubai with, before even coming here because you do see so much and you can do so much research yeah. and watch so many videos. And it, it does just um, enhance the popularity massively. Uh, checks is always something that's, that's uh, an interesting one to look at. So 35% of uh, rental transactions with us are done with a one-check payment. Wow. I know, which again, going back a couple of years, we were probably at 21, 22%. So it, it seemed at one point like the one-check payments were, were being phased out of the market. I think, if I'm honest, it speaks to a lot of cash that is coming into Dubai at the moment from yeah. from other areas um, around the world. There's a lot of wealth coming in, whether it be from the UK, from the US, from Europe, from Hong Kong, where the, the, yeah. the financial situation has changed. So top five uh, tenant nationalities. Um, again, people always are... My person for your nationalities, I'm a bit over it, but people always like to know about nationalities. Yeah, so Brits, number one, uh, Russians in second place, Indians third, French in fourth, and Lebanese in fifth place. Okay, what else have I got here that you might like to hear about? Average developer sales price, can you guess what that is? Were well, you looking at my screen, Sarah? It's a bit awkward, <laughs> Yeah, um, average developer sales price. I think this is going to be quite inflated because I think there's been some mega, mega off-plan sales, but I could be wrong. 
Well, it's 4.107 million. Could which, never have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think you're right, it is with the, 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 yeah. the higher price transactions because traditionally you would think developer sales would be more made up of, and especially over recent years, where at the moment we're seeing a lot of handovers of afford, yeah. more affordable living communities. So two or three years ago, they were being sold off plan. So this uh, this price would have been a lot lower and studios yeah. and one beds and, and two beds making it up. So I think you're spot on there in terms of what is, what is well, there maybe 4 million doesn't sound an inflated price. It, it probably is for maybe where we were two or three years ago. Yeah, and as these developments come up, that's when they tend to be, it seems to be like a real sweet spot of when they're coming up to handover, that's when people start to sell them. And it's all of the end users that probably were looking at them off plan four years ago thinking, oh, I quite like those. And then actually they've come to it and they've ended up paying a premium on on the yeah. um, on yeah. the project anyway. But it, people do still have some comfort when they see something's ready, I think. Um, this could be a separate podcast, but how easy is it to resale, to resale, to resale an off-plan unit? Yeah, it's, honestly, it's, it's pretty easy, to be honest. It's it's like anything, it's a process, isn't it? Um, but the process is, is relatively... Um, like solidified like we kind of everybody knows what they're doing with the developers and um and they have the what they call the dsr developer service register so sometimes it'll be through the trustee sometimes you'll do it directly with the developer um it only is a little bit tricky when you're changing over um ownership documents so you'll go from something called an accrued the initial contract of sale when it's actually off plan when it gets to a certain point in construction pretty much near finished all finished it'll change to a pre-title deed and changing that over, that's probably the only kind of thing you've maybe got to wait for from the developer. It sounds to me a little bit like it's one of those things that's easy when you know how. How most things are really, aren't they? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. true. But I think what even when you're saying that to me, I don't know that full process. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, how well, does that work? I just went through it myself, actually. I took handover of a, of a unit and the DSR did take ages. It took about two months to get the DSR active. Wow. Um, but that wasn't it from the developer or, or land department. It's just one of those things that took took some time. But um, yeah, all a process. Yeah, it's what we love in this place, boring, <laughs> boring as they are. Um, okay, we've got a couple of stats to finish um, and to round up with. So some tre- some trends or some patterns that, that we might be seeing happen, happening. Something that we've labeled uh, premium city living, which is a, it seems to be apartments in premium areas look like they've risen uh, by 10 to 12%, when I say risen in terms of the average sale price um, in the first half of the year. Established villa communities, the examples I've got here in front of me are like, for example, Emirates Living or Arabian Ranches, have risen by 8 to 12% on average over mm-hmm. the first six months of the year. So uh, really the, the two numbers, 8 to 12, 10 to 11, they're kind of in line with each other really. Yeah. Uh, villa communities such as Dubai Hills, um, 10.4%. So again, we seem to be within an 8 to 12% rise in market yeah. prices. Apart from, one I'm going to pick out, and I know that you noticed this before as well, Jamira Island's 21.6% increase. Yeah. And what do you think the reason is for that? Well, I think I've seen some unbelievable refurbs in Jamira Islands. Um, like, yeah, there's some serious um, refurbishments have gone on there. And I think that's probably got something to do with it because they people have done stunning stuff with those villas. Um, so I've got a feeling that that might have something to do with it. But also I think the same with um, even, I know they're all around like the 10%, but even the, um, like the established villa communities, Emirates Living, people are, I mean, the locations are still amazing, but people I think are starting to do them up. 
A hundred percent. If you if, and for anyone watching, if they, you drive through any villa community, it almost feels like on every street there's work yeah. going on. There's you've got the um, the scaffolding up or the the metal fences around the property. Things are yeah. being knocked down. Things are being rebuilt. So I think that's only going to be a trend that um, a, a trend that continues over the next decade or more. It's exciting. It is exciting. More personalised properties. And- exactly, and it does add a lot of value. Yeah, it seems to massively twenty one percent apparently in Jamira Islands. Yeah, <laughs> that so much value. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, two other areas that have caught our eye: JVT and JVC Villas. JVT saw an average thirteen uh, percent price increase, and JVC just under ten percent. What do you think? And I, I maybe I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know how well you know those areas, but. Why do you think they're, they're such popular areas for people? Well, I think they might have been overlooked, to be honest, with, for the last few years, because both of those locations are unbelievable. Like, they are literally in the middle of Dubai. Yeah. So I think they might have actually just been being overlooked. And then as the markets just become, you know, such the beast that it is, those areas have then got a chance to go, well, actually, hang on, I, we haven't really looked at JVC or JVT. Like, that works. So I think it might have just been, a as the rest of the market's risen, that's pulled up areas that were being a bit overlooked, but I think the location's great. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And the the, yeah. the road, it sounds boring again, but the road networking and out is, yeah. is really easy. Like, Love a they're good really road accessible. Build in yeah. Dubai. Putting <laughs> like, right. work. Have you seen the new road yeah. over Alcale? <laughs> I'm going to leave before I bore everyone to death on processes and road networks. Though, as well. Yeah. We could, yeah. That's, that's more interesting for people. A little bit more yeah. interesting than the, the new flyover on Alcale. <laughs> Good. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed watching. Hope I've not bored you too much. As always, uh, please like, follow, leave any questions. We'll have our first half or H1 report out in the next couple of days. It'll be in the media. It'll be on our website for you to take a look at. And like I say, any comments or questions, welcome.